We are continuing a series called Growing Pains. Uh, hopefully, everybody got a card in your seat. Now, we only gave them to every other person this week. We passed them out to everybody last week. But there are extra ones of these at the info bar in the lobby. We'd love for you to take it home. You could take one or two, you know, you know, pin it up on your fridge, put it in your office. Uh, have a place for it so you can kind of quickly glance, not only to read some of the scripture to encourage you, but also to continue to have this kind of goal in your mind that there are stages that we go through in terms of our spiritual growth, and there's ways in which you can grow. And that's part of again, the encouragement um, that God wants us to have. Let me just briefly, again, I can't do all of it last week, but I'm going to briefly talk you through where we are and how we approach this, all right? Three foundational things. All of us must go through each stage, meaning that just like physically you cannot skip a stage of growth, spiritually you cannot skip a stage of growth. It's just part of growing in the knowledge and the wisdom of God. Um, you may start out very young and have more time. You may come to faith later in your life, uh, and it looks a little differently, but you're going to go through these stages. Second principle. We all process different stages differently and at different spots. So this isn't about a comparison. This isn't a race, you know. Um, this is not. This is about how a 10-year-old does it versus a 40-year-old does it. It's all different. It's all different in terms of how your life is, in terms of how God's growing you. Third principle. Spiritual stages of growth are not dependent upon actual age, which I just mentioned earlier. It can be whenever, you know, however old you are when you come to faith or come to an understanding or really... <laughs> For many of us who came to faith as a kid, you didn't start really start your spiritual journey until you were older and made your faith your own. Um, and that's a big, big transition usually for teenagers and young adults is to kind of begin to make uh, their faith, the Christian faith, their faith. Not just their family's faith, not just their parents' faith, but their faith. Here's our theme verse for this series. It's from Hebrew, Hebrews. The author of Hebrews says, there is much more that I would like to say about this. But it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. This is, this is by the way, this is not the encouraging part of Hebrews, right? This is, not the, this is not the hallmark part, right? This is the challenging part. I want to say more, but you're spiritually dull. You don't seem to listen. You've been believers for so long now. You ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again about the basic things of God's word. You are like babies who need milk but cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what's right, uh, how to do what's right. And he goes on to even say, solid food is for those who are mature. Through training, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. It is through training, through discipleship, through intentional choices, through intentional living and intentionally choosing to continue to grow that you do understand the difference between right and wrong. You do mature in your faith. We're all designed to grow. And this is, again, the bottom line for last week. We're all designed to grow, right? We all have these stages. And if you look, we just gave you three, three simple categories. Obviously, it's much more complex than this. <laughs> this is just easy, simple. We try to take something complex and make it simple. Tools, three categories of how you feed, how you, you know, lead and teach others, and how you experience your faith. Some of those are just by mimicking, some of those are clumsy trying, some of those are, you know, informed preferences. My favorite is the teenager one, uh, opinionated ignorance. I love that one. That's one of my favorite statements, opinionated ignorance, right? A lot of online people. Okay, and uh, independent, self-righteous, 
I was very self-righteous. Independent and balanced, healthy practicing versus haphazard practicing. Again, this is just for you. This is for you to walk through. I'm gonna, I walked through every one of these last week with a little bit more scripture and detail. Please go back and watch it if that's of interest to you. Today I'm talking a little bit more in generalities in terms of how it looks in the big picture. But again, bottom line from last week is that I wanted everybody to hear, this is not to condemn anyone. This is not to kind of, again, like the writer of Hebrews, you know, to take the challenge, but don't take it as a, as a demeaning challenge. Take it from a standpoint of it's okay to be where you are, okay? It's just not okay to stay where you are, right? It's okay to be there. Everybody is spiritual children in their, in their spiritual journey. It's okay to be where you are, we just don't want you to stay there because it's not okay to just get stuck. And I'm going to spend a whole time next week talking about what it looks like when we're stuck and how to get unstuck. Okay, so that's, that's next week. Um, but that's, that's a big deal. That's kind of the bottom line from last week. Today, where I felt God leading me in this series today is to talk about how it is that we, right, how it is that we understand ourselves. You know, last week we talked about these stages, how we fall into these stages, and how does that work with the church? Not just, you know, God's church in terms of the God's people, but how does it work with a church like this? You know, like a local expression, the church, the big C capital church and the little c local expressions of the body of Christ. How does that work? When you have all of these stages together in one place, how is that function? Because we have seen some really healthy examples of that in our past. We've also probably individually experienced some really unhealthy and dysfunctional ways. And so hopefully today, um, if you've ever been kind of frustrated with the church, let me just say that out loud. If you've ever been frustrated with the church, I'm hopefully going to tell you why. Um, if you've ever been hurt by church or churched people, I'm going to kind of tell you why. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of that big, big picture of how God sees us individually and as how we come together as a church, okay? That's kind of the goal for today. I'm going to turn to Ephesians. If you want to turn to your Bible in Ephesians 4, I'll put it on the screen for those online. Um, Ephesians 4, I'm going to re revisit this passage a couple times this morning, but this is the one that I'm kind of putting an anchor in. Paul says to the church in Ephesus to make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. I want you to picture the idea of what binding looks like, right? It's, it's a very integrated thing. I want you to be united, and I want you to bind yourself, link, link together, if you will, with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, there's one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all, which means there's sort of one thing that matters and it permeates everything. Everybody with me? It just permeates everything. So there's this one faith and one baptism and one body, as he talks about the church oftentimes, and one Lord and one baptism. And it's because it's the God, this one God, Father of all, who permeates everything, in all, through all, for all. Over the past 50 to 80 plus years, depending on the studies you read, depending on church history, 
And you know, I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that happened from the Reformation to more denominational splits. There's been kind of these interruptions, if you will, uh, of time that I think God has introduced to the church. But when it comes to the modern Western church, okay, I'm really just talking about the Americans, the, the, the modern Western uh, church um, has really begun to see some dysfunction happening in the church, and I'm going to point to some of the ways it happens because of the stages of growth that we all experience, all right? Some of this function comes when, when you kind of group together, if you will, um, some of these stages into like factions or groups, where in one case you have uh, very young Christians in their faith, spiritually, you infants, toddlers, young children, um, who, who really ultimately need a great deal of care, uh, who need a great deal of instruction because they don't know what they don't know. Everybody nod your head if you're with me, yeah? They don't know what they don't know. They need a lot of care. They need a lot of instruction. Um, they're really messy. Everybody with me on that? It's really messy. Their faith is messy. Um, there's a lot of times you look at them and you think they should know better, but they really don't know better. And there's this group that I really do believe um, has experienced a lot of hurt in the church because they haven't been really very valued. And even though they make up big portions of churches, big portions of churches, they don't understand their role. They don't understand their part of the bigger church in terms of growth, in terms of kind of where they are and how we want to see them continue to mature and grow in their faith. And then you have what I would call your older children, okay? You guys know what I'm talking about, those, those fourth, fifth grade tweenagers, that's a new word, right? Tweenagers. Um, those tweenagers, those teenage years, right? Those young adult, young adult college years. You have this group in churches, oftentimes leading because they're, they're sort of leaned on a lot to lead and to help guide and uh, again, according to how we've kind of described things, they're, they're, they're more independent, um, they're more opinionated, strongly opinionated, um, and they're often driven by what I would call spiritualized preferences, meaning they have informed preferences, it's spiritualized preferences, meaning they really do believe that they believe what God thinks needs to happen, and they really do believe that. And you see these groups not getting along together very well. You see sometimes that a lot of the hurt and pain and church damage that, that children and infants are experiencing sometimes comes from this other group of older children, teenager, and, and young adult spiritually people. And what's worse is that when it comes to teenagers and young adults, they don't get along with each other very well either. Amen? Anyone want to say an amen to that? Like, they don't get along very well either because, again, it's driven a lot by their opinions and their differences. Their differences are the things they, they kind of point to. But they're all in the church. These, these two groups are big when it comes to sections of local expressions and the kingdom of God. The problem is, what's missing? Just say it out loud if you can see what's missing. Who on the stage is missing? Yell it out loud. Yeah, you're not yelling. You're kind of speaking softly. I'm sorry. I, didn't, I, I should have said it louder. Hey, why don't you yell when you know the answer? What's missing up here? Yeah. Oh, wow. Look at that. Adults are missing. Could you imagine life where adults, well, I don't want to say that because we think that's the way it is now. We don't want to say adults missing, but 
Really, in all seriousness, and I, I now this, listen, I use the word adult, maturing adult, okay, because adult is not something you arrive at, you know, and say, I'm done. I wish it was. I'd be 28 and look amazing, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not something you arrive at and get done with. Adult is something that you process and grow continually until you die, right? You get older and wiser and much older and much wiser, right? Then just ornery and curmudgeony. That's what you get. Hopefully not spiritually, but that's oftentimes the way it goes. So I say maturing adult, meaning that there's not like an end of growth, but it's a maturing in that adult phase. And I believe that adults, number one, we probably have less adults than we should, no doubt, in the Western modern church. Um, We'll talk a little bit this week and next week why. Um, But the adults that we do see really are the glue. They are sort of the ones that kind of help bind the people of God together. These two groups even help bind them together when they're healthy and functioning, right? Now, it's the Holy Spirit that does it. It's not really the adults, but it's the Holy Spirit working through these spiritual, maturing adults, and they are so vital to the church, and they're so needed. But again, the dysfunction today comes a lot because the groups don't work together. The groups see sort of each other kind of as opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, the, 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 the infants through children sort of need things provided for them. And so church is really all about them. It's sort of all about their needs. They don't really, in some ways, know any different, right? The, the, the teenagers and young adults and older children, they, they sort of see, and I hate to say this, but they see the, the younger baby Christians as kind of a burden, Right? They're a little bit of a burden. Why? Because they're messy and they don't know what they don't know and, and, and it takes longer than it should. And there's hurt and there's pain and there's discontent even among the older group. Today I'm going to look at a few passages through the lens of these groups and see the challenges we can see. Um, let's read some of the challenges. So hopefully you already know these challenges. You already read these, but I want you to read them and see them through the lens of these stages. What could he be saying to you if you really are an infant, toddler, child, young child in the faith? What is he saying to you if you really are an older child or teenager or a young adult or even adult in the faith? What do those challenges look like that are, that are for you? Let me walk you through just a few. I'm going to start in 2 Timothy. This is Paul writing to his uh, maturing adult Timothy disciple, young Timothy, where he tells Timothy to preach the word. And I don't want you to be confused by this because he's telling Timothy to preach the word because that's what Timothy does. But the call here in terms of even the root of the word is to to kind of declare it, to, to live it out, to make its presence known. And that's to all of us because we're all called to do this with the Word of God, to be prepared in and out of season, to correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now, I'm going to pause here before we keep going, but those three words are a big deal, because those three words are what I believe just simplifies what the Word of God does for all of us, no matter what stage we're in. But, okay, keep going. But for the, the infant, toddler, child, a time's going to come when people, and again, I'm kind of looking at this group, will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They're just not going to listen to that anymore. Why? Well, they're going to follow their own desires. 
And they're going to look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. And this is, again, I think I told you last week, this is why so many children leave the faith, leave churches, okay? They get to a point where, the, where they are learning and they are growing, but they just get to that point where all kids do. They sort of want what they want and nothing else. And you can't make them and you can't tell them, right? Which is why patience and careful instruction is needed, when deal, dealing with spiritual children. And let's just be honest, none of us in this day and age are getting an A in patience, right? None of us are. We have a world that's continuing to try to figure out how to get things more, more quickly and more efficiently and faster. And when it comes to good old-fashioned, like, slow-growing maturity, patience is not something we're known for, especially in the church. And yet, spiritual infants and toddlers and children He's saying, look, there's going to be this time in which there's a lot of correcting and rebuking and encouraging that needs to happen and it needs to be done with patience, okay? Patience and careful instruction. They're going to do what they want to do. They're going to want to, they're going to, want to just listen to only what they want to listen to. You guys all know, if you have children, they will watch the same movie 100,000 times, right? Why? Because it's their favorite movie. It's their show, and they just want to watch it and watch it and watch it and watch it. And it doesn't matter how many other great things are out there. And this comes in the case with spiritual listening. They, they, they only want to hear about the love of Jesus. They don't want to hear about the wrath of God in the Old Testament. They, don't, they want to hear about social justice. They don't want to hear about the sanctity of life. right? They, they, they want to kind of choose what they, what they believe. They want to choose what they're going to spend time listening to. And eventually they will, if, not, if we're not careful and not patient, they will reject the truth. Right? Correcting is needed in, in all, all children's lives. Correction is needed. That's right. This is wrong. This is wrong, and that's right. That's what correction does. That's what the Word of God does for us. Right? Rebuking. What does rebuke mean? Stop it. Right? Stop it. Why? Because we care about you, because we love you, because this is leading you to a path of destruction. Stop it. That's what the Word of God's going to tell you. And it's going to encourage you. Why? Because like I said last week, toddlers and kids, they need to be cheered on, right? They need to be encouraged. Go for it. You got this. You can do it. God's strength's in you. Go for it. You, you can handle it. This is obviously, and I'll just go ahead and share this with you. This is actually one of the reasons when it comes to, to sort of like, again, I'll just tell you behind the scenes stuff. One of the reasons we give you on Sundays a whole lot more scripture than you could ever possibly remember, okay? I'm just saying this out loud. We give you, we know we do, like it's intentional. We give you way more than even I can remember the next day what exactly scriptures we read and what we talked about. What's the purpose of that? Well, the purpose of that is because it's about exposure. It's about, you know, it's about saturating. It's about helping you get thirsty and hungry to want to read it on your own, right? To spark a verse or spark a book and you go, oh, I didn't know it said that. Oh, that's very interesting, right? We know that. This is the same way children feed. Have you ever seen children like toddlers eat, right? You don't know how much they actually ate, but you saw the evidence of food everywhere, right? So this is what we do with scripture. It's intentional because there are infants and there are toddlers and there are spiritual children who need this constant flow of the truth of the word of God at their life to remind them 
of who God is and to remind them of his truth because it needs to correct and it needs to rebuke and it needs to encourage. We don't know how much they're getting, right? We don't know, but we're not going to stop feeding. We're not going to stop that kind of intentional desire. Let's go to, again, Hebrews 10. This is, again, to another kind of group. I'm kind of throwing this in there. Let us, and again, it applies to all of us, but I'm just using the group as an example. The, the older kids, the teenagers, young adults, let us hold tightly without wavering. Okay, Without wavering. This is the group that likes to waver. To the hope that we do affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. The author says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This is, this is the writer of Hebrews saying, look, I know you're going to get to the stage in your growth where you don't need things quite as much as maybe the, the children in your stage need it, but you know, we want you to make sure you're not neglecting the time to meet together. Don't neglect meeting together. Don't settle for 20 weekends a year trying to, trying to think that's going to be enough to keep your spiritual faith going, to be a part of the local body and the church. Don't, don't do that. Hold tightly to the truth you affirm. Don't get into this whole my truth, your truth argument in our culture. Hold tightly to his truth. Let that truth be the thing you lean on. Because again, teenagers and young adults are going to be testing the boundaries. They're going to be testing sort of the law of grace in their life. And it's going to look very hypocritical to others, and it's going to look very, very messy and muddy, because that's what teenagers and, and young adults look like, especially when it comes to their life. And that's okay, because again, that's the stage they're in. They have their independence. They don't need the church as much as other people, or maybe what they once did. But the writer says, don't, don't neglect that. Don't neglect it. Why? Because you have a role to motivate one another to love and good works, to encourage one another. You know that it's the same with, you know, with actual physical, older children, teenagers, young adults. You know what we do in that season of life? You know what, we know what we spend the most time doing in that season of life? Helping convince them that life is not about them. Am I right? I mean, seriously, from like 11 to 80, no, I'm sorry, to 11 to about, you know, 23, right? That age range is like, listen, life's not all about you. It's not all about you. And spiritually, we have to help those growing in their faith, yes, growing in their knowledge, yes, growing in their strong opinions, growing in their informed preferences to understand that, hey, listen, I know you're all jacked up for this, but listen, is this only about you? It's not just about you. This is the church. This is why all the one another verses exist. To love one another and encourage one another and lift up one another and don't think that you are above another. Because we get to these stages in our growth and it can get pretty easy to view them as the problem, to view them as the burden. Well, we should be doing more of this. Well, we should be doing a lot more of that. The church should be more about this. And not, not all these things. Yeah, but it's not just all about you. And that's part of what our challenge is. Let me keep going. This is, again, written to parents, but I really do believe this is from the Old Testament, and it's a strong word from the law that uh, I believe exists from a broader standpoint in terms of even just spiritual uh, age. 
I want you to watch out and be careful and never forget what yourself, I'm talking, this, I really do believe this is the adults, maturing adults, what yourselves have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live. Be sure to pass them on to your children and to your grandchildren. Okay? This, I, I know I told you this before, but I love this part in the newer, um, the newer Star Wars. In the last three movies, there's a great scene with you know, dead Yoda and old, almost dead Luke. And uh, he tells him, he tells him very specifically, he says, you know, you, I told you to pass on everything you learned. And he went on to say, you needed to pass on your failures too right? Though you don't just pass on the greatness. You don't just pass on the success. You need to remember all the things that you've done, all the ways in which God had to come to you and help you through and help you, you know, overcome. The failures are just important in that equation. Let's keep going. This is Deuteronomy 6. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. This is where Jesus pulls uh, that for the great commandment from. He says, and you, again, I'm looking at it from the adult standpoint, must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm going to give you today. And what are these commands you got to commit to? I want you to repeat them again and again to your children, right? Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up, right? Repeating, repeating. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on your doorposts of your house and over your gates, this is a big deal. For adults, I really do believe there's a big, strong call with the greater, the greater you grow in maturity, the greater responsibility you have. So for all adults, it's this idea of you got to commit. You're going to com- wholeheartedly commit and remember, help everyone in the church remember when, all the time, where, everywhere. Just say those two phrases out loud together. When. Yeah, where? I don't think you believe it. All right, when are you supposed to do it? Yeah, where? Yeah, that's the call to maturing adults. God has done things in your life that you've forgotten. You have forgotten God's goodness to you. You you definitely forgot all your failures because we try to put that out as fast as possible. Am I right, adults? Yes? You got, you got rid of all those failures. You don't even like thinking about them. And yet you're to commit wholeheartedly to following these laws, to following these commands of our one God, to, to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and repeat these to the next generation, to repeat them and to, and to remind them of what's at stake. Healthy churches, let me go ahead and get, get to this point. Listen, healthy churches value all stages of growth oriented towards maturity. Why do I have to put that disclaimer? Well, because we do value all stages of growth. But we believe that a healthy church and healthy Christians should be oriented, hear the word, oriented meaning headed for, directionally faced with the decision to live intentionally, to grow in their faith. Now, most everything we read in terms of even Hebrews and uh, Corinthians last week, when Paul is addressing, like, you know, all the babies and the children, he's kind of he's saying, you're not oriented towards growth, and you should be. But, uh, but a healthy church really does value all of this. Infants and toddlers and kids, guys, listen, they need a safe place to learn and to grow and to be cared for. 
It's messy, it's slow, it's painstaking at times, but, but it's also filled with joy. It's filled with hope. It's filled with life. They are the fingerprints of God, as I gave you that illustration last week. They're the fingerprints that exist to let us know that God's movement is still moving and bringing people to, to life in him. Older children, teenagers, young adults, they need to continue to work through their faith. Timothy says, and Paul says to Timothy, to work through their salvation, right? To work through it, to press the boundaries, to, to press those things, and to work through it. And they often have to do it while they're leading and learning, okay? While they're leading others and learning themselves. And is it muddy and messy and are their stakes higher? Yes, Oh, yes, they're so much higher. But, and it takes hours of conversation sometimes, and debate, depending on who you're talking to. But this is also the season where you see the biggest strides made. This is also the season of sometimes exponential times of growth. And this is the season, just like physically, this is the season where you, you kind of get the framework for what kind of adult are they going to be in Christ. Adults. Adults lead the way in a church with their commitment to the body of Christ and to help everyone remember all the time, everywhere, that it's not about you. It's not about you and your preference and your desire and your opinion and your race and your party and your, you know, whatever it is you claim to, your theology, you know, your, your take. It's not about you. It's about us. It's about the bride. It's about the body. And it's messy because it's a family. I take this, uh, I'm going to read one more scripture here, um, but I take this pretty seriously when it comes to a challenge, if you will, or a charge. And I want to read, I can't not read this out loud because it's something I take very seriously, okay? And I need all the, the you know, the teenagers, young adults, adults, you know, older kids, spiritually in the room and online to heed what I believe are some really very clear words and warnings from Jesus, all right? Jesus has a physical example when he says, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like children, because there were children in his midst, you're never going to get into the kingdom of heaven. This childlike faith of trusting fully is what he was talking about. Anyone who becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who welcomes a little child on my behalf is welcoming to me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Jesus wanted to make it clear that Children, these infants, these toddlers, these children are precious to him. Precious. And I want to make sure as a church we understand that I take that very seriously. That I see infants and toddlers and children in Christ as very precious to God. And there is a very strong warning about those who would sort of view them as a burden, only see them as a frustration, only see them as the problem with the church versus the solution to the church, because, because that, this is what they mean to him. 
And I don't want to be a church or even a pastor or a person who causes them to stumble back into sin. My goal and your goal is to help lead and encourage and cheer them on. Correct. Let the Word of God correct, rebuke, and encourage. It's a big deal. I, I, I take it pretty seriously. Okay, let's face it. They don't volunteer. Okay, most of them don't. Not, not consistently, anyway. They don't tithe. Okay? Uh, you know, they, they don't, they're, they're, again, they're, their commitment level and engagement level is pretty low, okay? They're, they're, they're not super big partners. They're not here enough to help make a difference. They, they, sometimes, they, they sometimes grow into these teenagers that have a lot of opinionated ignorance, but they don't actually stick around long enough to help anything. And, and I'll just be honest with you, it's easy. It's easy to quickly slip and see them as the problem with the church. But they are not the problem with the church. They're a part of the church. They're a part of the body. They're a part of the kingdom. And we are called to value every stage. We're going to value everyone where they are. And we want to encourage one another to make sure we're always oriented towards growth, oriented towards maturity. A healthy church, and this is, this is absolutely my opinion, because I'm giving you these two groups. These two groups have the ability to be united right? To be bound together. To let peace be the thing that holds them together. To work together in a way that maybe doesn't look the same as everywhere else. In the 1920s, in the industrial age, um, we really did change the school system in America that had, that had been working for this way for hundreds of years and even in other parts of the world. But when the industrial, second industrial uh, evolution, revolution came along, um, school systems changed. I don't know if you can look up your own history on this, but the reality is, is that schools began to work a little bit more like factories, you know, a little bit more like assembly lines, and, and, and began to just kind of like shove students through the process, all right? Our schools are still functioning that way today. I just want you to hear this out loud. Before that, prior to that, prior to what any of us know, many of us, I'm sorry, many of us know, Schooling was done through the family, and if it wasn't done through the family, it was done through sort of these one-room schoolhouses. Okay, maybe you've gone on a, a tour and seen one before. I know there's one in Boone up at Valley Cruces, isn't there, Tracy? Up in Boone, there's one in Valley Cruces at the general store. You can go see a one-room schoolroom. And, and the one-room schoolroom worked in such a way, definitely within the classical education model, where everybody was learning the same thing, but you know, kindergartners were learning, you know, civil war, right? The kindergartners were learning the word civil war, okay? They were just, you know, something like that. They were learning that. The, the, the elementary school students were starting to learn a little bit about what it meant and who was a part of the civil war, and some of the middle schoolers were learning all the generals and the time frames and the context of what was happening, and then the, the high schoolers in the back of the room were doing study on the big issues of racism and, and what was going on in our republic and what was going on in, the, in all the states and why was there this problem. And we were all learning the same thing at different levels, different speeds. And older ones were helping lead and model for youngers. And that's how education worked. It was a one-room classroom, one-room beautiful picture of being bound together. That was just education. 
But when I think about the church and I think about the family of God and I think about the way it brings us together, I go back to that verse in Ephesians and I look and see what the call is. Make every effort to keep us united. To keep yourselves united by by the Spirit, obviously, binding yourself together. That's a choice. Binding yourselves together with peace. There's only one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. It's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. How in the world, listen, this is one of the only institutions that exist in the world right now that brings together, that brings together like, like multiple theological views. Like, how can we bring together, you know, Baptist, old Baptist people and Pentecostal people and Assemblies of God people and, you know, Methodists, you crazy Methodists, you know? How, how can we bring you together into one church and be united? How's that possible? Multi-generational in terms of age, but also multi-generational in terms of spiritual stage of growth. Multi-ethnic, multi-ethnic, you know, black and white and yellow and, and, and brown. Multicultural, the rich, the poor, right? And everybody in between, all the masked people and all the no-masked people, right? How in the world do you bring them together? The Democrats and the Republicans into one unified body. I tell you how, it comes around the one thing that matters. One faith, one Lord, one baptism, one hope. Right? And we're the, oh, listen, we're the only institution in the world that can pull it off. Because what unites us, what binds us together, is Jesus. I'm going to read this because this is, what, this is the part in Ephesians when it says, what does that healthy church look like? What is the result of this binding together? What is the result of, of a church doing this intentionally? Skip down to verse 14. It says, well, then we'll no longer be like immature children. We won't be tossed about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever they sound like the truth. Boy, that's happening all the time. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church, right? He makes the whole thing fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, as every stage is different, as everybody's growing differently, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing. And what's the last three words? And full of love. This is the church. This is the way the church was meant to look. This is the way the church was meant to be. These groups, not not divided the way we see it oftentimes as a result of things, but but together. I'm going to close with a, a quick thing I wrote. I have to read it. I don't know if I'll make it through it. I don't say this probably often enough. Uh, to you guys, but I really do love you. I love this church. I've had the honor, this next month will be 15 years 
that I've been able to be a part of this church. Yeah, 15 years. And I know it's crazy for those of you that have been with me, but this year, 2021, marks 10 years as the lead pastor. 10 years of leading this church. Crazy to me. But I want you to hear this from me. If you just, you yourself, just find yourself, you're in that baby toddler childhood stage of, of growth and of your faith, I love that you're here. I pray that you and I can take seriously the care that we provide for you and for your families, and, and we want to see you grow. I know that many of you are here with wounds from possibly other church experiences where you, you weren't valued, um, and that's what we are here for. That's why we exist as a church. We want to be a safe place for people to heal and continue to grow. We don't want you to get stuck, okay? I'll preach on that next week. Next week. If you are in that group of spiritual teenagers, older kids, teens, young adults, I really do love you. I thank you for being a part of the core of our church. I have loved watching you take big steps of growth here at Journey. I know that we ask many of you to, to lead and do things that you don't feel ready to do, um, but we believe in you. I know that you continue to push the boundaries of grace and responsibility, and sometimes your faith feels very haphazard, but I want you to know that we're here for you. We love that you're a part of this church. We need you in this church. And we need you to help start pouring into the next generation. It's going to get messy and muddy, and that's okay. We understand that. We're prepared for that. We already understand that's what a family looks like. And to the maturing adults, you guys are the heart of this church. Thank you so much for being here. You're the reason that Journey is still here. You're the reason that Journey is able to continue to meet needs, continue to be on mission, continue to love and care for everyone who walks through those doors. Because you show up every week, because you know it's not about you, and you've committed to help me and help our staff and help the elders here make journey all that we intend it to be. You keep investing because you know it's worth it. Your wisdom and humility and grace really do help bind together through the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Bind together this church in peace. And I love you guys. Let's pray. Father God, Oh, what a joy it is to be a part of your church. And Father God, just right now, for those online and in the room, just work in us, challenge us, correct us, rebuke us. When we've viewed people as the problem or we've allowed our preferences and our opinions to sort of derail us from really engaging and being the church we've been, you know, you've called us to be. 
when the family hasn't gotten along. God, I, I pray that you would encourage us. God, so many people in this room and that represented by our church have taken some incredible steps of growth here. and Just encourage us to keep going. Keep moving forward. God, you value every stage and you value everyone in here where they are because you want to see them continue to grow in faith and knowledge until one day we get to be with you face to face and you complete the work you started. Oh, we're so thankful for that. And we love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.